Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see everyone out there this morning. And if you're online, welcome to New Hope. We're happy you're joining us. Um, it's a wonderful day today to be here together, um, to worship together. We, um, I feel like I live here sometimes because I've been here this weekend with an awesome group of teenagers. We had about 15 of us total, and we did a lock-in this weekend, and it was a lot different than our normal one. Um, this one, we spent six hours studying God's Word from Friday night until Saturday morning throughout the night, um, six hours total. And we, as young people, they discussed who they are, what's wrong with the world, how can it be right. And then we got into some really big topics like what is humanity in God's perspective from Scripture and sexuality and race and abortion and infertility and um, human genome and artificial intelligence. We got very deep into all these discussions and all these problems and outlooks in the world along with the Word of God and what God says about that and how to handle that as Christians. So um, it was a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and thank you for the prayers that you had for that. A couple announcements for this morning. We have a business meeting right after the service, so if you remember and you have not gotten a ballot, please raise your hand and we have people that will get you one. We have one down here. Anyone else that needs a ballot? Any members? Um, so I just want to say as a special Sunday is Sunday School Teacher Appreciation. So thank you to all of our Sunday School teachers that commit throughout all of the year to come on Sundays and prepare to teach your class and then to minister to your class outside of the week. And, and we just thank you for all that you do for this church, from the church. Um, Let's see. Oh, the Honduras bags. I see some of you already found them. The Honduras bags are out right now, so please grab one. Those are due back at the end of October, but it's a great time to go ahead and get your bag and fill it. And if you haven't done that before, that is, um, if you know what Operation Christmas Child is, that is a, a more personal way that we connect with a group in Honduras, a church and an outreach ministry. And these bags are from Honduras, and they'll go right back to them for the children um, and along with Honduras, you'll see some opportunities to serve um, in Honduras, if you want to look at that in your bulletin, coming up. Let's see, I'm trying to have to take notes it's a lot this morning. Oh, we're going to save the best for last. Next week, we are having a dinner at church. So mark your calendars and be here next week at 5 o'clock, because we are kicking off October with a pastor appreciation dinner. So there will be a dinner at church next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Um, so please join us to celebrate our awesome pastor and all that he does for this church and for all of you and so many others that, that we don't even understand and know how much he does. So join us for that dinner next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we adore you. We thank you for allowing us to worship you outwardly and openly, legally, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your scripture, your word and print, and digitally that we can take with us. Lord, we just ask that you convict us, that you hold us accountable, Lord, for that, that we have your word, that it is with us always, Lord, so that we, that we choose to read that and study that and grow, Lord, in your spirit. We've spent a lot of time this weekend with the youth, Lord, studying about people that 
um, in, in Afghanistan and in other parts of the world that are doing that in secret and then they're willing to risk their lives just to, just to read your word, just to study that with others, Lord. So I just, I pray that we have that same fire for you, that, that longing to know you and be closer to you and, and that you will guide us. I pray over Pastor Russ's sermon that, that you will lead his words to move us, to not be dormant, to not be still, but to move us in a powerful way, to convict us, to remind us, to teach us, so that when we walk out, we are new people, Lord, with new information, with new callings, with new convictions, Lord. I just pray that this morning. And that the songs we sing are pleasing to you. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Your grace, your mercy is overwhelming. We thank you for that, Father. We humbly come before you in worship and in thanksgiving. And it's in your son's Jesus' name that we can pray. Amen.
trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Amen. We are starting a new series today, uh, Building a Strong Foundation. If you would, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 and 3, but we're going to look at a, several other verses before we get there. Um, but we're looking into this past, into this idea of, of strengthening our, our foundation, building a strong foundation so that we can face the world outside these walls, so that we can, when, when the world comes at us, when, the, when Satan attacks us, we can stand our ground. We can stand firm in the faith. And so each week, we're going we're gonna to focus on an essential element of our Christian faith and also our Baptist faith, what it means to be a Baptist. And so who are we as Baptists? What do we as Baptists believe? And so that's what we're going to begin looking at over the next several weeks. And so the Baptist faith, the, the Protestant faith, you might say, uh, came out of the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s. Um, it was born out of the, the corruption of the Catholic Church. Uh, some folks saw things weren't right, weren't going well, and, and, and what was being taught and how church was being done, they acknowledged that it was not being done right. There was just a lot of stuff going on that, uh, that people couldn't live with, and so uh, it, it brought rise to the Protestant Reformation. Philip Schaff, uh, a noted church historian on the Catholic Church and the religious church of the day, this is how he framed the, the mindset of the church, the Roman Catholic Church of the day, which was the church of the day. It says that spiritual darkness personified the church. The Bible was a closed book. Spiritual ignorance ruled the minds of people. The gospel was perverted. Church tradition trumped the truth. Personal holiness was abandoned. And the rotten stench of man-made traditions covered the Pope and the priest. And the corruption of ungodliness contaminated both dogma and practice. Folks, I can see a lot of similarities between that quote of the church in that day, in the 1500s, and what the church is today. What the religion is today. But it was at this mindset of the church that brought about the Protestant Reformation. And so that came about on October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther, he was a, a professor and a, and a monk, he posted his 95 theses on the doors of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And, and what he posted on the door was just uh, an invitation for people to, to come and debate him on things that, that he had issues with, that he had problems with, with that were going on in the church. But it turned out to be way much more than just a, a debate. Um, but some of the things that he was dealing with was uh, that... He believed that, that you are saved by personal faith in Jesus Christ 
through the grace of God. That the Bible was the sole authority for, for the teachings and for, the, for, for how we should live our life. And that was for the glory of God. Because you see, all of the other things were being perverted by the church and by the religion of the day. They were having add-ons to everything that was, that was taking place. Yes, the Bible was good, but here, let's, we need to add this to it. Or we have faith, but we need to do this as well. And so Luther thought that the Catholic Church and their focus on, on works, which included the indulgence or, or paying money for prayers and for blessings for the saints, was immoral. He, reject the, he rejected the, the Pope's authority. He was also an advocate for uh, printing the, uh, the Bible in different languages so everybody could read it, not just the, the priest in Latin. Um, and so this led to the Protestant Reformation and a breakaway ultimately from the Roman Catholic Church. Eventually some, some other reformers joined them, uh, John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli, uh, a few others as well. But this reformation that took place in the 1500s was instrumental in, in reshaping the course of modern history and, and, and changing how we live today, how we carry out church today. So again, some of the reasons for, uh, or some, of, some additional issues that, that Luther had with the church that led to this reformation. Um, and, and so why did he do it? He wanted to get back to the gospel. He wanted to get back to the, to, to, to the heart of the gospel, to re, the recovery of the, the true gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that was that God's saving work was through Jesus Christ. It was, a, it was a focus on the sovereignty of God's grace and the inability for people to save themselves, to do anything, to, 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 to work their way to heaven. He said, the Bible doesn't teach that. I have a problem with that. I have an issue with that. Along with that, uh, together with, with the other reformers, they rejected the infant baptism, ultimately saying that somebody has to make a confession of faith. A baby can't do that. They rejected the, the, the Pope's authority and tradition, instead teaching that all authority came through the Bible, not through tradition. They rejected uh, the confessional to the priest because Jesus is our high priest. He is the one that we make confession to. And also, at the time, the Catholic Church was really tied in with the government. And so they rejected the thought of the government-led religion. But unquestionably, the, the most prevalent causes of that Reformation and that uprising, you might say, was was the indulgence of having to pay for forgiveness. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to us today. It didn't make sense to him in the, in the 1500s. But there was also great corruption going on in the church. At the time, many of the priests were illiterate. They didn't teach all the same teachings. They didn't teach the same values um, they, the, the, that the Bible taught. And so they were having a lot of fallout there. The indulgences that they were making were arbitrary. You could pay for this sin 
to be forgiven and the priest might charge another price for the same sin to be forgiven. When I say that, that just doesn't make sense, does it? To have your, to pay for your sins. What about the rich that have all the money that can buy their way into heaven? What about those in poverty? How do they pay for their way into heaven? So that, that raised quite an issue there. The church was selling soul blessings, I guess you, you might say. You could buy a blessing for your family. You buy a blessing for yourself. You could, you could buy your way into heaven where you didn't have to go to purgatory as they believed it was a waiting period where you continue to pay for your sin. Or you could pay to outright skip purgatory. Or you could pay for your family member out of purgatory to get into heaven. And so all of that just didn't make sense. It from the looks of your eyes, it doesn't look, make sense today either, does it? And so that was, these were some of the thoughts, some of the beliefs that were going on of the day that Martin Luther said just, just didn't right. This, this isn't right. And, and, and it seemed ridiculous that you could pay money to have your sin absolved or, or pay for your forgiveness. And so again, Luther opposed that. Primarily because the Bible doesn't teach it. Where in the Bible can you find that? He would say. And since it wasn't mentioned in the Bible, it shouldn't be a part of the church. The church doctrine, the church activity there. People were skeptical about the church also after you had the priest making different decisions and, and the Pope turning out to be incorrect on some matters of faith. And so there was, there was strong disagreement among Catholics that that led to this reformation, to the reforming of the, of the Catholic Church, which ultimately became the, the Protestant faith of which the Baptist faith came from. These reformers, John Calvin and Martin Luther and Zwingli and, and several others, <clears throat> they believed this with all their heart. They, were, they had deep conviction about this about what they believed. And so that, that raised a question for me as I was putting that together. How deep are our beliefs? How willing are we to stand up for what we believe in? Are we strong enough in our faith to bring about a debate? And so for these reformers, they were, they were so convicted that they that they put their, their, their livelihood, their, their homes, their fortune, even their lives at stake in order to restore the teachings of the gospel truth of the church. This was how, how important it was that they were willing to give up everything they had, their life included, to get back to the core beliefs of the gospel. And so what happened with the Reformation? What were the results of, of everything? Again, all Luther wanted to do was just have a debate about these 95 issues that he had with the church. But oh my, you know, he, he didn't intend on starting a new movement or a, or a new religion or uh, anything like that. But from those statements came our faith today and where we are 
today. Again, the, the printing press was invented, was invented right around that time as well. And it played a vital role in the, in the Reformation and getting the, the gospel out because it allowed people to read the Bible for themselves. Even in the Roman Catholic Church today, they don't encourage to the extent that we do to read to get the Bible and read the Bible for yourself. Instead, they have the pastor, the preacher, the priest come up and read and interpret it for you. And, and, and so the printing press enabled people to have a Bible in their own language to read and to understand what God's Word said. That comes along the same idea with the different translations that we have today. So that it is easier for people of today's world to understand and to read and to make sense of God's Word. Because you see, before the printing press, it was only, at that time period, it was only written in Latin. And so again, the people had to depend on this corrupt uh, body to tell them what that corrupt body wanted them to hear and to know. But out of that Reformation came five slogans. Became the, the rallying cry, I guess, of the, of the Reformation itself. The, the five solas of, of Reformation. And the, the Latin word for solus means only or alone. And so these teachings were, from the Reformation were summed up in these five slogans about salvation in order to say salvation is through Scripture alone is through Christ alone, through grace alone, through faith alone, and for the glory of God alone. And so each of these phrases proves to be an essential part of the gospel. And that is why the Protestant faith took these, the, the foundations of their faith and carried that forward. They, because they were the, essential, the essentials of the gospel. Today we're going to look at the sola fide, which is salvation by faith alone. Sola fide is a, it was a point of contention between the Reformation and the, and the Catholic Church and remains so still today. Now the Catholic Church, they, they believe in the faith, but not just faith alone. They always have something tied to it. It may be faith and baptism or faith or you know, some type of works are, are attached to it. And the, the reformers had a, a real issue with that. Because the Bible says that we should have faith in Jesus alone. So rather than trusting in ourselves, in our own works, in our own ability to, to, to be good enough, to get to heaven, then we trust and put our faith in the work of Christ and what He did on the cross. The Reformers talked about a, a great exchange, you might say, and, but this exchange was, was Christ taking our sin and, and paying our penalty, paying the price we should have paid on the cross. And so we exchange our sin for Christ's perfect perfect and, and spotless in holiness and righteousness so that when Christ looks at us or when God looks at us on the day of judgment, He sees the blood of Christ and not our, our failed attempts to try to be good enough to get into heaven. 
Because you see, in Christ, we have been forgiven. In Christ, our debts are paid in full. In Christ, God will declare us right with Him on the basis of the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Praise God for that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin, or in essence to be our sin offering for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, Paul continues in Philippians chapter 3, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or comes from the works, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes through God on the basis of faith. And he's pretty clear right there that no one will be justified in their works, only in faith. And then he drives the the idea home even further in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through chapter 3, verse verse 14. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by our works. Over and over and he's He's driving that point home. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave His life for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for the righteousness uh, could be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much vain if it really was vain? So again, I ask, does God give you, this, give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. 
Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the Gospels in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so that those who rely on faith are blessed among, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written by the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. The righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So that by faith we receive the promise. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 it says, Know that a person is not justified by their works, by the work of the law. We can't do it ourselves, but it says, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by what? By faith in Christ Jesus and not by what? The work. Because of works of the law, no one will be justified. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Folks, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He shed His blood for the forgiveness of my sin. They, 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 they buried Him in a tomb, but guess what? God raised Him from the dead. Amen? Praise God. And He did raise Him from the dead to let everybody know that He was, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He could redeem life, that He could give us eternal life, that He can give us eternal life, and that He will give us eternal life. Amen. He will give us eternal life. But you see, God's gift of eternal life is free when we put our, what? We put our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel is so well summed up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Uh, 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 a verse you all need to be familiar with. For by grace, we're going to look at that in a few weeks, God's grace. For by God's grace, you've been saved through your faith. It's not by your works or by yourself. It's a free gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone boast. God prepared beforehand, or, or for we are His, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for good works, 
which comes out of our salvation, which comes out of our gratitude for the salvation that we've been given. Because of the salvation we've received, we want to work for the kingdom purposes and for the kingdom good. And our faith is a response to God's grace and to God's love. Folks, let me tell you today, let me remind you today, God loves you. God, do you ever doubt? Do you ever wonder if anybody loves me? This world is going to fail you. This world is going to let you down. But Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, Almighty God loves you. Don't ever forget that. And He loved, he loved you so much that He gave His only Son. And if we would believe in Him, we would not perish. We would not spend eternity in hell. We would not be separated from God, but we would have what? Eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Whoever believes in Him. Whoever, does that mean me and, and you and that person and that person and that's all? It says, whoever. Anybody, everybody. If you believe in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe Him is condemned. Those who reject Him will spend eternity in heaven. But if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Let me ask you this morning, where is your faith? We all have our faith. We all put our faith in something or somebody or someone. We all trust in somebody or something. Who is your faith in? Is your complete faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you completely surrendered your life in all aspects of life to the Lordship of Jesus? Or maybe you put your faith in yourself. To think, yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I don't do bad stuff. I, I, I'm a good guy. I think I can make it to heaven. I've never killed anybody. I do this, you know. But God says that it's not by our works, it's only by God's grace. By putting our faith. In Christ. And so let me ask you again this morning where is your faith? Who is your faith in? Is it in Jesus or in yourself? You see, Paul has outlined for us in, in Galatians an incredible spiritual inheritance for those who receive Christ. And it can be yours today. <laughs> All you have to do is claim it to be yours and, and surrender to Him and allow Him lordship in your life. 
You look at that verse we just read in Galatians, and, and Paul told the Galatians, you know, how crazy could it be for you to pass up what, I'm, what we're talking about here? You guys are crazy to even think about that. Would we be crazy enough today to do the same? To think that it's our works? Or to think that there's not even a God? Paul says, how crazy are you? Let me ask you this morning, if you've never received Him, would you do that today? Would you put your faith in Christ Jesus this morning? Or maybe you've already done that. As a believer, though, God calls us to continue on growing. Continue on in our faith. Continue on growing in our relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, are we growing? Or is our relationship with, with Jesus maybe, maybe it's gone, taking a breather? Maybe it's not where you want it to be, certainly not where God wants it to be. Is it growing? Is your faith in Christ growing today? Let me ask you this morning, would you commit your eternity to saying, God, I want to grow more. I want to go deeper with you. God, set my heart on fire for you. For your kingdom. For your kingdom purposes and for your glory. But we know that that will only happen when we surrender completely. To His Lordship in our life. And nobody can make that decision but you. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Would you sing that prayerfully today to the Lord? Not just a song to get out of here and go to lunch, but a, but a song from the heart. Surrendering your life completely to the Lord. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank You, Father, that You have made salvation possible. That You have provided a way for us to have eternal life, even in spite of being the sinful people that we are. But God, You've told us to place our faith in Jesus who came and gave His life to save us so that we wouldn't be separated from You for all of eternity. Lord, I pray that if our relationship with You is stagnant, Lord, that You would awaken us that we might see You afresh and anew today. Lord, may hearts respond to you this morning however you see fit. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.